Hello, friends. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Schoolyard Podcast, brought to you by School Specialty. I'm your host, Nancy Chung, a fun-loving teacher and content creator, also known as Fancy Nancy and Fifth on social media, and I'm thrilled that you're here. A special shout-out to School Specialty, who offers essential educational supplies and complete learning environment solutions to help you transform more than classrooms. This is the Schoolyard Podcast, a podcast by educators for educators where the magic of learning unfolds. Imagine a classroom where students become inventors, engineers, and dreamers all in one. Robotics brings this dream to life, empowering young minds to think critically, problem-solve, and collaborate like never before. You might wonder, why robotics in schools? Well, my friends, the answer is very clear. It's all about shaping a future that knows no bounds. In a rapidly evolving world driven by technology, the importance of robotics education can't be emphasized enough. Today, our guest Naomi Hartle and I will be diving into a world of wonder and innovation, robotics in schools. Naomi Hartle is a STEM expert from School Specialty. Throughout her journey with School Specialty, Naomi has been passionately pursuing her vision of making a positive impact on both educators and students. Hi, Naomi. Welcome to the Schoolyard Podcast. Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your role as a STEM expert? Absolutely. So I kind of got into STEM later in life. So I am a former educator. Um, I was born and raised in Saskatchewan, Canada, and that's where I taught. So that's where I was a teacher. Um, since 10th grade, I knew I wanted to be a teacher and I want to be a coach. I want to be a teacher. And that's what I went to school for. Um, I went to school for basically teaching physical education and biology. So how does that translate oh, into wow. STEM, right? How does that translate into <laughs> STEM? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> so when you get your licensure to teach in Saskatchewan, you're licensed to teach basically any and any and all subject areas. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, they try to put you in what you went to school for. Uh, so I've taught physical education. I've taught high school mathematics. I've taught high school science with biology. I've taught career education, home economics, fine arts, um, and wow. health education. So I've taught a little bit of everything. <laughs> I never, ever thought that I would leave education. I always mm -hmm. thought that I would be a teacher, right? Since mm -hmm. I was 10th grade, that's what I mm -hmm. knew I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And it ended up that school specialty had reached out to me with a curriculum writing position. I kind oh, of wow. made a decision to say, okay, I'm going to do a kind of a Hail Mary here and <laughs> try something a little bit different, kind of still be in the education space, but moving into the business world a little bit and mm -hmm. kind of threw that Hail Mary and said, let's try it. So moved to United States, wow. moved to Oregon mm -hmm. and started off in writing curriculum. And then 2018, I believe it was, they had reached out to me and said, hey, we have this position open for STEM and science as mm -hmm. a subject matter expert. And they said, you know, are you interested in it? And I was like, well, I've taught science. I've taught math. I've been teaching physical Everything. education <laughs> teachers how to integrate technology into their mm -hmm. classes. I have a passion for this. And mm -hmm. I was like, absolutely. Yes. Let's try something new and something different. Why not? Mm -hmm. And yeah. So for me, I mean, I've never, you know, traditionally taught STEM in the way it's been taught or the way their teachers are trying to teach it now, but I have a strong passion for it. And I've kind of just organically kind of fallen into it. 
And it's just been really neat to kind of be a part of it. And, you know, in part of my job right now, what I do is really just support teachers in teaching it and how to teach it. Uh, so yeah, so kind of came into it late in life, but that's kind of my background. <laughs> that's amazing. And I think you mentioned fine arts, so we could add the A in STEM and make it yes, STEAM. STEAM. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, my background is an art too. So when I started coaching robotics, I'm going to share my experience a little bit later too. Everyone's like, wait, you're going to do what? You're going to coach robotics? I'm like, well, it's kind of like making stuff it's like a hands-on thing so yeah. it totally makes sense yeah it's about that hands-on experience right that's right, what right. I'm in discovery all about uh-huh. robotics that's what this is all about is yeah. about you know learning by doing and that's I mean physical education you learn exactly. by moving right it's right yeah PE by all all mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly <laughs> So I know robotics programs don't exist in all schools yet and I know some districts and some admin they don't see the value in like a robotics program yet. So why do you think, like, why are robotics programs valuable for schools and students in your opinion? Great question. I mean, first of all, it's fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> just plain and simple, but how do you sell fun to your administrators, mm-hmm. right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, think about skills that we're teaching our students, right? Um, teaching STEM and robotics specifically is just like those employability skills. So if we want students to be able to get jobs after work uh, or sorry, after school, you know, they're learning all these different skills that they need communication, collaboration, critical thinking, problem solving. Mm -hmm. Um, They're learning to fail in a very safe environment, right? They're learning to Mm -hmm. fail where they're persevering and and determining, you know, and, and figuring it out through those challenges that they're getting, right? It just, it, they're learning the skills that they need to be successful after, Mm -hmm. um, but they're also learning the skills that they need to get jobs within the workforce, right? So one of the things I find, um, and there's some stats that are kind of out there, like U.S. universities are expected to produce only 29% of the required number of graduates, right? To fill 1.4 million computer science job openings. Wow. We have to make sure that in education, we are preparing our students for this. So lots of times people will say we're preparing students for the future. I disagree. We're preparing our students for the present right now because we're already not having enough students going to university, going into um, these jobs after school where we need them to understand engineering, computer science, all these different areas. Mm -hmm. So just to make sure that we can like get to where we need to be as a workforce, we need to be teaching this in school. Um, So, I mean, workforce, skills, having fun, failure, these are all key things that I think some of our schools maybe don't think about when we're having those conversations about robotics and, and really how, what it can support and what it can teach. So those are kind of the things that I think are really valuable for schools to kind of understand and administrators to understand. I love the fact that you mentioned the whole failing process because people don't really understand that. And it's all about failure. Now, students who are perfectionists, who are scared to fail, they actually don't do very well in competitions. It's the, yes. it's the kids that fail and learn from their mistakes you know it's all about notebooking right the engineering process and you know like here's the problem like you know here's our objective what are we going like how are you going to build it and they find so many different ways of but is not going to work or do what it's supposed to and they figure out different ways but all through like collaboration and communication and critical thinking skills as you as you talked about and um the kids who are not scared of failing and like they're the ones who bounce right back and come right. up with different, you know, different methods and different ways of doing that. And um, so it's really interesting to see these skills that 
students are forming in the robotics program. And right. I love how there are so many different roles within a team too. So not everyone's yes. going to be programming, right. not everyone's going to be building, but yep. there are the notebookers and they're the, the kids who are experts in like even the interviewing process when the judges right. are talking to them, like, oh, tell us about your team, you yep. know? That and public so like, speaking is so important. Yes, exactly. Yes. So like, so our teams, we weren't always like the best builders or like the best programmers, but I would train the students really well on like how to talk to judges or how to sell your robot and how to talk about why you love robotics, you know, and what you're learning through the process. And you those are the skills right there. Yeah, exactly. So the life <laughs> yeah. skills, right? Yes. These are like the interpersonal yeah. skills and the life skills that they're yes. learning, not just robotics, like quote unquote, right. Robotics. Not just a standard that you have to teach, mm -hmm. right? Because that's right. what we have when, as educators, you have certain sets of standards you have to teach in every subject area, right? It's not like you have to teach, you know, I mean, sometimes communication, critical thinking, problem solving, these are all things that are kind of just a, a product of what we do when we're teaching. Mm -hmm. So, and I think robotics does a really good job of that and, and honing in on those skills with our students. And yeah, that failure piece is one of the things I've always talked about with my students. So, right. <laughs> and even as teachers too, like we're yes. so scared of failure. Like yes. we don't want to try something if we know that there's a possibility that it might fail. Right. But like, you know, we have to kind of like practice what we preach. Like, don't be scared to fail. Don't be scared to make mistakes. Just do it. You know? Yes, totally. And I'm I'm kind of a bit of a type A personality perfectionist. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like to be bad at things. I like to be really good at them. Oh, um, <laughs> so even when like part of in, in my job, what, what I do is suppliers will send us products and I'll test them out to see if it's a product we want to bring in to, you know, our offering. So mm -hmm. I'll get these and I obviously want to try them out first. And there's some that I'm just like, <laughs> like I fail and I fail and I fail mm -hmm. and I get frustrated. I'm like, okay, you can do this. And then when you get it, you're so excited that you, mm -hmm. like you made it happen. I was like, if I feel like this as a 35 year old adult, <laughs> what do my students feel like? Right. Nice. When they find that accomplishment, uh -huh. when they are able to figure something out, like that is just uh -huh. such a cool thing and feeling to have. Like I had that when I played sports growing up, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? I never had an opportunity to do an extracurricular program, like, like robotics, right. Or even have it integrated into my program. So I just know having students be a part of that would be so uh -huh. cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I love that you're comparing robotics to sports, because if you've ever been to a robotics competition, it's mm -hmm. like a big sports arena. It's and wild. Like, it's, it's wild. It's, it's like a concert wild. concert meets like a sports, you know, like yes. a sports game. Like it's, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I totally like geek out and nerd out at, the, at these events. Right. I mean, with your competitions too, it's like you said, it's teams. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a position that they're in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some, like you said, that thrive in certain areas over others and you work together as a team, which is exactly what happens when you go into a job. You have a team that you're working with, yes. right? So uh -huh. you're learning, students are learning all these different skills that they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we don't always do the best job in education of setting our students up for success. We teach mm -hmm. them the standards. We do the standardized test. We teach them to a test, mm -hmm. right? We don't teach them those skills they're going to need. And failure mm -hmm. is such a skill they need to learn because mm -hmm. they need to know how to be, a, you know, a good loser sometimes too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know a lot of schools, um, as we mentioned, because they don't have the same belief that they need a robotics program, program they don't necessarily have the funding. Yep. Now, how can schools with limited resources start and maintain robotics programs effectively? And this is a conversation I have with our customers all the time, right? Mm -hmm. This is what I do a lot in my job is we'll consult. We'll have a conversation with the district or with the person looking to do this program. And I'll say, start small and build each year, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to get something big. You don't need to spend all this money to, to get moving forward. You don't mm -hmm. have to buy all these, 
you know, hard hitting robotics products that you're hearing out there, like the Vex and the Legos, right? They might be too pricey for you. Start right. small, learn, you know, just start with some online coding programs. I know that's no, not robotics to begin with, but start with some online coding, mm-hmm. right? Get them started that way. Get them familiarized with those um, um, areas, like, for example, Scratch, Scratch Junior, Code.org, Swift Playground. There's so many different kind of free programs out there that you don't need a budget for that you can kind of start with to kind of get started. You know, if you have limited funds, start with, you know, buying a few robots to start. A lot of the robotics products and programs out there where you can buy, you know, two or three different robots for a decent price, but then they also have an online simulator. What I mean with that, right, is Mm -hmm. you can have a group of students being using those physical robots and coding those physical robots to start. And you Mm -hmm. can have half your group then coding the online simulator, right, and having the robot move just on the computer screen. Mm -hmm. And then again, you build and you grow every year, put some money into that, get some funding um, through, you know, maybe look at your community programs. So that's kind of the other piece. So looking for funding and grants, right? Mm -hmm. Community outreach. There are, depending on the community that you're in, there are so many different companies that want to support schools, that uh want to help schools out, reach out, pick up the phone Mm -hmm. and call them. You might not be able to find something on their website, Mm -hmm. but anybody that is in the STEM environment, Mm -hmm. uh, computer science, any of those areas, they want to be able to support schools. So Mm -hmm. they might have some type of grant programs or where they're willing to donate some money or donate some products that you're Mm -hmm. looking for. So just kind of reach out. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of donors choose, but that's a yep, big one. Donors choose. Mm-hmm. And some companies will give their employees like a certain budget and say, okay, yes. here, spend it on like pick a project yes. um, and, you know, and donate to a, yep. a certain cause. And yep. so it's just a matter of writing the the grant, writing the proposal and getting it out there because yes. there are people who need to donate money who want to spend their money. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, for just tax purposes, they they need to right. donate some money. So mm-hmm. let's, t- I don't want to say take advantage of it, but take advantage of it. Exactly. <laughs> right. I you know. just have to pick up the phone and call, make some phone yeah. calls, call some companies and say, Hey, you know, mm-hmm. this is my, pr- this is the program I'm looking to do here. Are the students that I have, and this is what we're trying to, you know, accomplish. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to donate some products, donate some money, support mm-hmm. us, you know, how can you support us through this process? And I think that's a key thing that a lot of people forget about is that community involvement, whether you're a small town community, which is like how I grew up. I grew up in a town of two, you know, 300 people. I graduated with 12 kids in my class, like super <laughs> teeny, teeny, tiny. <laughs> uh-huh. And, um, you know, we still had a lot of that community involvement because a lot of the parents, you know, ran, you know, were in these jobs and in these different companies mm-hmm. and businesses, you know, they even in the bigger you. centers, though, you even have more opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So just reach out, ask those questions. Right. And I love how uh, you mentioned the free like coding programs and things like yeah. that. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Hour of Code. I'm sure you have. Yes. And I love that so many teachers and so many schools are starting that early with like even kindergarten. They're like, oh, we're doing Hour of Code and we have like little kids, you know, like playing with like Ozobots and like, is it Spiro? Like, you know, like, yes. (laughs) So they're just doing a lot of like fun things like that. So by the time they come up to fifth grade, like upper elementary, they're like, we've done this before. So they're feeling, you know, every year they're feeling a lot more comfortable with these programs. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's the other thing too. start young. Right. Um, It's just one of those things where the more, you know, the earlier you can start, the more familiar they're with, you know, with the programming, the more mm-hmm. advanced they can get and the the more, you know, progress they can make throughout the year. So again, we're just setting them up for success. Even right. if it's, even if it's an after school program, right. That's kind of the other key thing too. 
thinking about what your program wants to look like. Like what I would love to see in an ideal, you know, utopian type of world is I would like to see every single child having the, having access to a robotics program or access Mm -hmm. to a STEM program, Mm -hmm. right? That's ideal. Obviously that's, you you can't always do that. That's, there's just not enough time in a day, depending Mm -hmm. on what your administrators are focusing on, what your district is focusing on. Mm -hmm. But I always challenge people too of, you know, um, how are you going to support every single child in this school? And if you can throw a robotics program, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, If not, you know, kind of is what it is, but start it by starting younger and kind of building your way through it. So Mm -hmm. You know, another way you can do it too is kind of trying to integrate that. You might not be able to do like a separate robotics class, but try to integrate it into a couple of your class, like your subject area classes. So thinking of integrating it into science class, try to put it into your math class. There's so much data collection and so many different things that you can do with robotics in those classes specifically. I mean, heck, I could even find a way to integrate it into physical education, right? Like absolutely all the movement, uh right? Like just every subject area, you can Uh integrate robotics into it depending on what the topic is. So you don't necessarily have to have a separate class for Mm -hmm. it, just kind of integrate it into as much as you possibly can. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if anything, the nice thing about that, and I think the biggest maybe hurdle or bugaboo that I have when it comes to education in general is that we, we separate everything out individually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It, when we go, when, when you go and work in, in life, nothing is separated out. It's not like, okay, I'm doing math now. Okay. I'm doing science, right? Now, mm-hmm. right? It's everything is integrated. So the more we can integrate robotics into some of these classes, I think the, mm-hmm. the you know, the bigger benefit that our students will have from it. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. It's like technology, right? You don't have like a separate technology class or a separate right. like computer class. It's integrated into writing and math and science and everything that we do. So yeah. just like that, I love the idea of bringing robotics, different components of robotics and integrating it into all the subject areas. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking like, um, it was a trend to have like a makerspace um, at every school. Yeah. So if if the schools already have the makerspaces existing like on their campus, they can absolutely bring different components of robotics as part of the the makerspace, right? Exactly. The STEAM lab, the STEAM lab, the STEM lab, and the makerspace. Yeah, yeah. And and what we're hearing too from a lot of schools is that their libraries, their sc- mm-hmm. school libraries, they're calling them now media centers, uh-huh. or yeah. you know, Us the too. librarian uh-huh. is now the media specialist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see if you can get some robotics products within those spaces as well. So that's a great place to kind of integrate that too. There's mm-hmm. a school in town here um, in Bend, Oregon, where I live that I've been working with and their librarian is kind of their media specialist and she's been integrating Spiros. And I brought a couple different sample products for her to check out that we can mm-hmm. try to bring in. And it's been kind of a really cool experience to see how she's getting everything. She's got like 20, 25 minutes with students. That's it. Right. Uh-huh. And they uh-huh. like rotate throughout the year. And then they do, I think like a tech week every month. So oh, that's wow. when she'll kind of integrate some robotics, but even something like that, like just kind of be, think outside the box. You don't have to have a robotics class, right? Mm-hmm. That can be the the place you're trying to get to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it, you don't have to start there. And Early most of the time exposure. you don't, yeah. right. You don't start there. You have to start small, start mm-hmm. young, start small and slowly build and grow throughout the years. Yeah. I love that. Okay. How about, um, like, I know every episode that we've had, we've talked about like a sense of belonging and making sure that we're meeting the needs of our diverse students and making sure that we, um, practice inclusivity. Um, so how do robotics programs accommodate students with diverse learning needs? Yeah, no. And that's a great question. This is one of the things that 
we're trying to work on, you know, at school specialty and, and how we can support this. But, you know, my, my advice to those listeners out there is, you know, some schools right now are currently using robots to support special uh, education students with like self-regulation, self-determination, socialization. You know, if you have a student with minimal verbal language skills, having them work with a socially assistive, assistive robot um, can be really extremely beneficial, right? Sometimes it's a little bit less intimidating working with the robot than it is with a human being. That is so true. That is right? so true. Mm-hmm. Robots, they can, you know, also can reduce sometimes the number of stimuli that students have to deal with or that, you know, can provoke that sensory overload. So mm-hmm. students with autism, that can be really um, helpful mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even having, you know, if you have a student that English is a second language or it's not their first language, right. uh, having robots, some robotics products and programs will have different kind of levels of coding. So you can use like a graphical coding where it's just got pictures, right? So if you think of block coding, drag and drop, mm-hmm. it's just yes, got pictures. Yes. Then mm-hmm. the next level is going to be your text coding, which has like ABCs, right? One, two, threes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the next level is obviously your text coding. Uh, but lots of these robotics products too will have that integration into it, like right within the app. Mm-hmm. So every student in that class can be using the same app. Nobody feels different. They're using the exact same product, right? but they're using a different level based off of their understanding. So it's just, you're differentiating for your students right there as well. So right. just in some kind of key areas that way, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's beneficial for every single child. Robotics isn't just for those, for the elite students that want to be there, yes. right? Robotics uh-huh. can support anybody and everybody. You just kind of sometimes have to think outside the box. I know there are some students who will come into like a robotics setting and go like, oh, I've been taking programming or coding classes since I was seven. But um, but there are also kids who who have uh, never played with robots or have never had exposure to that. They'll just come in and they'll just explore and discover and, and they could be just as successful. Yep. And then sometimes is the hard part when you're teaching robotics and, and computer science and coding is that especially at like a middle school or high school level where you haven't had the students prior to, or you haven't been able to kind of control the programs, you're going to have students coming in with diverse experiences, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have some that they know it, they're with it, they're doing JavaScript and you're just like in Python, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you have some that have never done any type of coding before. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just like in regular education classes, right? It, it's one of those things where you have to differentiate for every single child and how do you do that? The nice thing is a lot of these programs help you do that. It makes it very simplistic and easy for you to do that, uh, which is really fantastic. But yeah, it can be difficult. It can be hard, but there's so many people out there that can support you. <laughs> right. And you know, like some teachers are like, I'm not an expert. I can't teach robotics or I can't do this. And I have to like, I always remind them like, you're not really teaching robotics. You're just no. facilitating the yes. experience. So yes. once you just say, okay, here's the objective and here is the kit or here are the parts, the kids will actually start making it. And, and you know, like sometimes they'll come to me like, how do you do this? I'm like, well, you know what? Let's try to figure it out. Talk to your group. Yep. And I'm like, I don't know. I know. I then you're practically Googling like, it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we figured it out. I'm like, okay, what did you do? Explain it to me. I'm like, yeah, oh, wow, tell the class. Okay. I let's know. present this. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you guys are pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> it. Right? Facilitating the learning. Yep. And there's some people that get so intimidated by it as well that I'm just like, you don't have to be an expert. It's, Mm -hmm. if anything, it's like, I don't want you to be an expert, right? And sometimes your students respect you more when you're just like, hey, we're going to learn this kind of together and we're going to figure this out together. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually you'll get it, but you got to start somewhere. Um, It's okay to say, I don't know. Let's figure this out together. Yeah, let's let's look for the answers. Yep. I feel like my teachers growing up never said, I don't know. They didn't want to. They had to be that sage on the stage, 
Yes. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Teacher, and now all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you want to be that kind of guide on the side, right? If we're, we're going to use that kind of language, it's, you want to be that facilitator. You don't want to be the person standing up at the front of class saying step by step by step, here's how you do it. That's mm-hmm. what the apps are for. It'll walk students through building something okay. like you don't yeah. need to do that. That's a waste of your time. That's a waste of your students time. Let mm-hmm. them explore, let them play, let them learn. A lot of people don't like to use the word play in education. And it, <laughs> it drives me wild oh, because right. I'm all I love about it. You play. have to play. Play yes. is learning, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Play is a form of learning. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe that's just, you know, my physical education background as well, but it's play is a form of learning and you have to, like, that's how students move. That's how they figure things out and challenge themselves. And it's just so important. So just let them play, let them learn. <laughs> you just seem like such a fun educator, a fun teacher. And, you know, no matter what you taught, I'm sure your kids just loved you, <laughs> whether it's like <laughs> oh, PE or biology or math. I'm like, oh, you just are just, you know, like so entertaining and, you know, you're so knowledgeable uh, of everything that you're talking about. Okay. Um, can you share a success story of a robotics program positively impacting students' skill and maybe their interest in STEM? Yeah. So in, in my job, I don't always get to see the end result of the work that I do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I can give you just one, you know, positive success story of, of kind of what's been going on, but like I get to help teachers and district leaders choose the right product Mm -hmm. to support their programs and students. So I'm kind of at the forefront of being like, what type of device are you using? What are you wanting to teach your students? And then I'm like, Hey, these are the devices that I think can really kind of support you. But um, I don't always get to see things in action all the time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So while I don't have, you know, a specific uh, success story where, you know, we've had a program where a student, you know, was super successful and now goes and works at NASA. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I do want to kind of share with you, it's a story of a colleague and his son, right? Mm-hmm. So and just how robots can be such, you know, impact um, you know, a, a child's life. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was going to a conference last year in New Jersey and um, I was doing a, a robotics presentation called choose your own robotics adventure. Mm-hmm. And basically I have a bunch of robots and they get to teachers get to choose what robot they want to check out and, and play and learn and explore. Mm-hmm. And so I had my sales rep and his son build a robot for me prior to me showing mm-hmm. up because I didn't have time to build it and couldn't bring it on the plane. So him and his son built this robot. He's eight. And um, eight? we got, to, yeah, so he's uh-huh. eight. Yeah. And uh-huh. so got to the show, got everything kind of set up and we were kind of unpacking all the tubs of robots and products that we had mm-hmm. and we couldn't find the one robot. And he was starting to kind of panic and freak out. And I was like, did you, did you build it? He's like, we built it. And I was like, did you uh-huh. bring it? He's like, I packed it up. My wife and I packed it up last night. I'm not sure where it is. Let me go back in the car and check it out. Uh-huh. So he went and checked it out, couldn't find it, comes back sweating, having kind of a panic attack. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. It's I'm, uh-huh. I have multiple robots. I can figure it out. So an hour later, he gets a phone call from his eight-year-old son. Daddy, daddy, I want to tell you about my day at school. I had so much fun. He's like, okay, buddy, tell me about your day. And he's like, my friends loved the robot. They absolutely loved the robot. Oh and he's gosh. like, what? <laughs> so basically uh-huh. that night before his son mm-hmm. opened up the tub, took the robot out that they built because he was so excited about so it. So excited. Uh-huh. Packed everything back up again. So it looked like the robot was still in there, closed oh the my gosh. Uh-huh. and went to, and the next day went to school with the robot. So I let, I love to tell this story because <laughs> this child loves <laughs> basically uh, went against his parents' wishes. And, you know, he was so excited about this robot to bring it to school and show his friends and just Mm -hmm. how excited he was to, 
you know, build this robot and show his friends how it worked and how they did it and integrated with Scratch and they were using Scratch at school already. And Mm -hmm. so again, while I don't have a robotics program that I can talk about that impacts it, I think just robots in general are fun. They're impactful just all on their own. And when somebody gets to build something, I talked about that accomplishment feeling, Mm -hmm. right? When you get to build something and then showcase it to other people, you just Mm -hmm. feel amazing. So yeah, that's my fun little story at least of yeah, that's a fun, right? (laughs) That's a success story about instilling a love of robotics early on <laughs> yes exactly yeah so yeah. it's just a fun one that I love to share because and then oh, now he's we're buddies and I send him robots all the time to check out <laughs> oh my gosh that's, like, that's yeah, I was like don't ever lose your love for yes. for robotics and coding because it's the sweetest thing ever <laughs> oh, I know that is such a cute story um one of my robotics teams like early on um there was this one one kid who was not very knowledgeable in robotics. And he was kind of like in the younger grade of of the team that he was on. But he had this perseverance, like no one else, like he always wanted to stay behind. He always wanted to take like the robot home to work on it at home. I'm like, <laughs> you can't only really take it home. But you know, I'll let you work on it during lunchtime. So I'll just be eating my lunch in our robotics room. And he'll just be building and he would always be sweating and you know, like having a hard time. I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, he's like, yes, yes, you know. And he just put in so much time. Well, that year, his team ended up winning a ticket to our wor- the world competition. So, sorry, it was school and then county and then state and then worlds. There's no wow, like a- that's a lot of levels one. to get past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I'm proud to say we've made it all the way to the world's competition five years in a row. Oh my God. And so I know. And so this specific student that I'm, I'm talking about, when he was in seventh grade, his team- uh, well, we, I teach at a K-8 school. So, you know, that's the joy of seeing my like elementary babies, like go on to middle school and, mm-hmm. and do really well. So his team in um, uh, at the world's competition won the whole thing. Like they actually oh, won the world championship. And he, amazing. I know, and he sent me a message. He's like, Mrs. Chung, we won. And it, like with the picture, he's like, I owe it all to you. I'm like, you don't owe it all to me. You owe it all so to much. yourself. <laughs> I know. But that was like the biggest success story because he was this shy little kid who just wanted to just build and, you know, rebuild and just never gave up. And I think it's like, you know, his perseverance that just kind of like led him to where, you know, like where he is today. But he's in high school now and I can't just I can't wait to see what kind of things he will invent or create. Where he's going to go, what he's going to do, what's how he's going to change the world. There are so many jobs that exist currently that that were like not even a thing, like even 10 Mm -hmm. years ago. So I can't even imagine what kind of jobs will be available like five years from now, 10 years from now. It's, you know, it's hard to fathom. And I always hear from people, AI is going to replace jobs. And I was like, well, not right now at this time. What's going to replace jobs is people that know how to use AI. That's true. (laughs) So if you can teach your students, again, Mm -hmm. setting them up for success. If you can teach Mm -hmm. your students how to use AI, how to Mm -hmm. build it, how to integrate it, you know, Mm -hmm. they're going to be ready to go. So equip them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you notice that um, it's still a very boy heavy, like male heavy field? And yeah. how can we get girls? Like, I, I know, like, we have things like girls who code, you know, like different programs to, um, like, really try to support the girls early on, too. But yeah. do you know uh, of any like programs or any way that we can recruit more girls into into the field of robotics? That's a good question. I don't know if I know any programs, but I think it starts with role models. 
right? Mm -hmm. So I think it starts with women in your schools, women in your schools, making sure that they are advocates, that they Mm -hmm. are the ones that are kind of learning that and moving forward with it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of teachers that I talk to are are male teachers that are Mm -hmm. wanting to do programs. Mm -hmm. Um, So how can we get our female teachers into it, which then hopefully brings our, our young girls up to, to par as well. I mean, girls, girls who code is probably the biggest one that I can think of right now. That's been doing Mm -hmm. a lot of things, Mm -hmm. um, that I would say, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the key thing. It's, it's us as adults, when we can kind of set the pace and, and, Mm -hmm. um, support our students, it's, that's what changes things. So great answer. Okay. (laughs) What aspect of robotics do you personally love the most? There's so many things I love. <laughs> like I, I said, tell. I came to I can it, tell. Into it later in life. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, what do I love? I mean, probably the biggest thing I love the most is that failure environment, right? Which I mentioned, you know, when we we're talking at the beginning, it's, and it's something that I didn't realize I loved until I kind of have thought through this, but uh, when I used to teach, my students would always yell fail at each other in a, in a mm. way of it was a negative thing. Like you made a mistake, fail, right? It was like a big thing joke that they would say. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting them all down and just being like, let's talk about failure. Mm-hmm. And I was on Twitter for a while. And mm-hmm. at the time that it was called Twitter. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember like reaching out to some people and being like, you know, I'm trying to talk about failure. What are some things that, you know, I could talk about? And I remember seeing fail being like stated as first attempts in learning. Okay. And... I have that on top of my, in the front of my classroom. Yes. It says yes. fail first attempt yes. in learning. Yes. Yeah. And so we changed it actually a couple it's years ago to frequent, <laughs> a, a frequent attempts in learning because it's oh, not just the first attempt. Oh. It's multiple times. I love that. Yes, yes. And I, 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 it's not my thing. I didn't come up with that. I, okay. I stole it from somebody on Twitter, so I don't know who it was. I can't give them credit. <laughs> but that's one of the things I think I love the most is that fail part. Frequent. And I remember sitting okay. down. Yep, frequent attempts in learning. F-A-I-L. to change that this yes. year. Yes, oh yes, do it. I, and I'm, I think okay. it kind of changed things for my students too, right? So that's I'm probably the biggest I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to say, Naomi stole this from somebody on Twitter. Yes, I probably stole, stole it from, from Naomi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But wow, I love that. Yeah. Every episode, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this quote and put it on a t-shirt. You know? There you go. I'm like, yes. we'll yours is going to be fail. It'll say <laughs> yes. frequent attempt in learning. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being here today. And uh, I hope to have you back. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, you know, it's been great to meet you and have this conversation. It's really Me cool too. to hear what you've been doing with your students and how you've been impacting them. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I left the classroom, so I'm trying to help, you know, in a broad sense, but for teachers that are still there, still kicking it, you know, still going strong, <laughs> like just know yeah. we appreciate you because we need you. We need oh, role models yeah. in our classrooms, just like you that are willing to step outside the box, willing to learn more. And, you know, doing these podcasts, you get to learn from so many different people and bring mm-hmm. that back to your classes. Mm-hmm. I just think it's key and it's amazing. So thank well, you. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for working with all the teachers and supporting us and educating us too. Absolutely. Always here to support. Anytime anybody needs help, just reach out. <laughs> Thank you, Naomi. Thank you. Robotics education fosters essential life skills. When students work together on challenging projects, they learn to problem solve, communicate effectively, embrace failure as part of the learning process, and cultivate a growth mindset that knows no limits. Before we close out today's episode, we have something very important to take care of. Tag Your It is a segment on the Schoolyard Podcast. In this segment, our listeners have the opportunity to participate by writing in a question and tagging at school specialty and using the hashtag schoolyardtagurit. 
We will review all the questions and choose one to answer on our podcast. If your question is selected, we'll send you a Schoolyard Podcast t-shirt as a token of our appreciation. It's a fun way for our listeners to engage with us and have a chance to be featured on the show. All right, here's our very first one. We have a question that was submitted from Deborah Watson, and her question is, what are your recommended self-care tips? Naomi, do you have any recommendations for self-care? I do. (laughs) I have a lot. I got to (laughs) like narrow it down to like what I want. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, self-care is such an individual and personal thing. Uh, So one of the things I did a terrible job of self-care when I was um, a a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. I always felt that I had to, anything that I was doing, it was always, it had to be teacher related. I was a teacher 24 seven. That was like my lifestyle. And I realized that in order for me, I burnt out from teaching, right? Mm -hmm. So um, not a good uh, choice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so for those, my suggestion is to do some self-care, find something that brings you joy that mm-hmm. isn't related to your job, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we can do mm-hmm. things that are fun in our job and, and extra stuff, but find things that are going to take you completely away from the work and the role that you do that is just for you, right? Mm-hmm. If you ever leave teaching, like when mm-hmm. I left teaching, I found I kind of had a, an identity crisis because I was always a teacher, So find something that, you know, if you leave teaching or if you, you know, uh, just who you are as a person. So, I mean, some of the things that I do, I read fiction, fantasy fiction. Some of my favorite things to read. I work out, right? I get out, I go to the gym, I listen to music. uh, I get off social media. Social media has always been a fun thing for me to do because it's allowed me to connect with teachers across the country. And that's kind of how I got to where I am today. But it also felt like work at one point right? Mm-hmm. And it became kind of a burden. So for me, it's kind of stepping away some, some, from some of these things that keep me so connected that I do that's just for me, solidly, mm-hmm. just kind of me. So I don't know. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if you have anything that you that's do now perfect. that's kind of similar or well, different, like what, but for me, it's just, right. that's kind of my, my stuff. Yeah. I love that. I love that tip. Uh, I think self-care looks different for everyone. And even yes. for the same person, it could be different. Uh, self-care could look different at different stages of your life and different times of the week, different times of the day. That's very true. Yeah. My motto (laughs) is, you know, work hard and play harder. So, you know, for me, it's like going out with friends and enjoying a nice Mm -hmm. meal and trying new foods or whatever it may be. Find something that you love doing and make sure you make the time to do it. Yes. Yep. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you for your question, Deborah Watson. We'll be sending you a very special shirt from the Schoolyard Podcast. Thank you for joining us for the fifth episode of the Schoolyard Podcast. Remember to pack your curiosity and meet us back in the schoolyard for the next episode on the benefits of parent involvement and student engagement. Class dismissed.